Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The List. It is me back hosting the Kurt Stallions of the podcast world, the biggest piece, cheating piece of shit you'll ever see, but none of my toes are stubbed, stubbed, and I am Brett on the other end of the tin cannon string. As always, it's Jordan. Jordan, I got to say, you did a great job hosting. How are you doing today? I'm sorry that I said I wanted to replace you. It's okay. Zach did a pretty good it. job. It's all right. I, I didn't mean it. I was caught up in the moment. It was an emotional time. I had fun with Zach. I'm going to meet Zach in a few weeks. You're not going to be there. I, I got caught up in it. I was a little angry. and I'm, I'm sorry. I've been, I've been reflecting on it for the last 24 hours or so, um, and, and I'm, I'm deeply sorry. It's okay. What I think we need to do is we just need to throw another string in the tin can over to Zach so he can do this more often with us. Because uh, I thought he did a good job. Though if I didn't know any better, I'd think he, he thought I was a cheater. Yeah, I think he thinks you're a cheater, which, you, I mean, do you blame him? Let me counter that. Did you watch any of the mission game and see how uh, how little my signs helped? Do you really think I, ch- I did a good job of cheating? Well, what I can say is Michigan should be thanking you because without you, they probably actually wouldn't have won the game. Yeah, maybe. But we get to talk more about Michigan later. But I do have to say on my trip, Jordan, you and I talked before the game and you said you were very underwhelmed with College Park. Uh, that was, it was a fun game, a stressful game, more Michigan fans than Maryland fans. So that was really cool. But, uh, I would not recommend anybody going to a game at college park, Maryland. So that's all I got to say. You got to drive through the, uh, the campus to get parking. The parking lots are really small. Uh, we messed up and we didn't get the email about getting a parking pass. So we had to park at the Metro station, which is about a mile and a half away, which isn't bad, but then they don't tell you that you have to pay afterwards, which whatever, but then you take buses every eight minutes to get there because you can't walk there because of the construction. So uh, the experience as a whole was fun, but I would definitely not go back there to another game. I definitely think there's something about going um, to a college and going to another school's, uh, being on campus, going to a game. Um, But yeah, most of the time I feel like I leave um, feeling a little bit underwhelmed. Yep, no, but I would definitely not recommend it. Um, I th- I, though I will say this is cool. Uh, of course, uh, Tua's little brother Talia plays for Maryland. And anytime they would go out on offense, they would play the tequila song. But when you're supposed uh, to shout tequila, they would shout Talia. Uh, that's really funny. I like that. Um, I actually like him. He's, a, he's had a decent career in college. Um, I thought I was a little underwhelmed with him um, early on in his career. But he's really um, played pretty well for Maryland. I do agree with that. He's one. He, I think he will go down as their best quarterback statistically, but he's not better than Boomer Esiason overall. But I'd be interested to see where Talia ends up. I wouldn't mind spending a day three pick on him, make him the backup over uh, Mike White in the future. Uh, but Jordan, before we get into our picks, I did want to say this. You and I have a bit of egg in our face because a coach that you and I hyped up all year, or at least in the first half oh. of the year, I Dino didn't know Babers. that you were going to do this. I yeah, didn't, I just I didn't know that you were... That's funny. Good call. Yes. Bye-bye, Dino. Yeah. yeah, Dino Babers got fired, and you and I were saying he'd be candidate a candidate for a bigger job. Well, Syracuse is a tough place to coach and win at, and he did a decent job there for eight years, but, man, did the, the wheels fall off of that this year. Yeah, the wheels really did fall off. Um, and... 
Uh, it, it might be a bad omen for us to talk about coaches like that because I also thought um, Ken Dorsey was going to be a candidate for the Carolina job, um, and we saw what happened to him. So maybe I should stop talking well about coaches. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. You never know, but it'll be interesting. Another Power 5 job, not the strongest Power 5 job, but still another one. So there's going to be some open – it's going to get a decent – uh, coach in there probably probably an assistant because I don't really think any established coaches are gonna go up to uh, Western New York. Um, our producer Zach Jackson's from there. <clears throat> no, I'm not better at all from being put on the list, but we'll move on. Um, you feel, by the way, since you brought that up, I'll ask you: Do you feel any different since he put you on the list? Like, is it does it hurt a little bit? Is it honestly during my suspension? All I did was eat mac and cheese and play the new Mario Mario RPG. So I feel ambivalent. It was a nice. good it was a good way of sending of spending a suspension. So, uh, but this week is the biggest week of college football. It is the last week of the regular season, but it is rivalry week. I picked four rivalry games for us to go. Unfortunately, aside from honestly two of the games we're going to talk about, these games might seem a little lopsided, but. We're going to start first with a team that is in contention for the playoffs. We are going to take go to the Civil War, Jordan. We are going to Oregon State versus Oregon. Oregon State lost by two points to Michael Penix in Washington. The game was a lot closer than I thought it would be. I think when I turned it off, it looked like it was going to be a blowout, but that weather was nasty. Uh, the last Civil War for a while because Oregon's going to the Big Ten. And... Oregon State's about to be a quasi-group uh, of five school now. But Jonathan Smith has been a very, very good coach. Former offensive coordinator at Boise. Former starting quarterback at Oregon State, so got the job. Talked about in the past how hard it is to win at Corvallis. Came in, made it tough. Made it tougher. He might be leaving. Been linked to the UCLA job, which is rumored to be opening after the season. Chip Kelly is rumored to be getting fired. As impressive as a job as is, and I think this is going to be a really close game, Oregon is on a different level. I've always said it's hard for me to judge Bo Nix because I remember him playing at Auburn and looking awful. 35 touchdowns, two interceptions so far in a year. Over the weekend against Arizona State, 24 for 29, six touchdowns. So he had more touchdowns than incompletions last week in a blowout win. Just a different level. And we're going to talk more about him in a little bit. But I just don't think Oregon State has has it this year between Bo Nix and Bucky Irvin, two of the best college players that we no one really talks about in, the, in this grand scheme of things in terms of best players. But I think Oregon's going to win. I think Bo Nix uh, may make himself the front runner for the Heisman after this game. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I'll – if – Bo Nix goes and has a big game, um, and Oregon puts up a lot of points. Um, after Penix didn't, I didn't think Penix played bad. I watched most of that game, um, last week, but I, I think Oregon State gave its best shot, um, against Washington. I don't think they're going to be able to beat Oregon. Um, I think they're going to come into the game excited. I think they're going to come to the game hyped. Um, but Oregon has a chance, um, to make that Washington game essentially a semifinal game. Um, I think if they're able to win that game and Georgia's able to beat Alabama, um, Oregon could find itself in the playoffs. Um, so they really have a lot of pressure on them, a lot like uh, 
what I said Washington was going into. Um, but Oregon has the rivalry factor motivated in. Um, I think Oregon wins. I think Oregon wins by three scores. Yeah. Um, I think it could end up being a blowout towards the end, but I think it's going to be close for the first three quarters. But I do agree with you that Oregon is going to win. Now on to the game. The Ohio State Buckeyes take on the Michigan Wolverines. Jordan, Michigan has a bad habit of playing their worst game of the year the week before the Ohio State game. Happened this year, obviously, against Maryland. Last year, we should have lost to Illinois the week before, but Jake Moody hit a 50-yard field goal to win. Um, One bad thing is third week in a row, J.J. McCarthy has not thrown a touchdown, going from a Heisman contender to now being questioned by some in the media. Uh, Now, some of that has been coaching decisions. Some of it is just, like, against Maryland, he played fairly poor. Uh, Blake Corum is about three touchdowns away from setting the Michigan record, becoming the all-time leading uh, rushing touchdown leader. Looked like Roman Wilson got hurt uh, during Maryland, but looks like he'll be back. And Donovan Edwards is starting to look like Donovan Edwards of old. The big concern I have for Michigan, and I've said this in the past, their corners haven't really been tested. Uh, Talia Tungavaloa did test them a couple times this past weekend, and we did give up some big plays. Now you're going to go against the Buckeyes, who have Marvin Harrison Jr. and Igbuka Ezekama on the outside. Uh, Julian Fleming is not a bad third receiver. He hasn't really lit it up yet, but he's one to watch. Uh, Travian Henderson, someone I wouldn't have had, is one of the top five running backs in the Big Ten going into the year. Is now arguably the best player on the offense that's not named Marvin Harrison. And I have also talked about Cade Stover on as a tight end, and I do think he is a very good prospect. Uh, despite the stats, having watched a lot of Ohio State games, uh, Kyle McCord, there's still something about him that I just feel like he's relying too much on the talented players around him. He's getting the ball where it needs to go, but it's not it's not as impressive as the stats look, if that makes sense. Um, sounds weird to say, but it does seem like he's just not getting challenged by defenses. And the very few times he has, Notre Dame, oh, um, Penn State, even Rutgers, he's kind of struggled with that. Uh, Michigan does have a very, very good uh, front seven to go eight deep on the defensive line. Uh, Kenneth Grant is now starting to get a lot of uh, viral love for chasing, being a 340-pound defensive tackle and chasing down the Penn State running back two weeks ago. Uh, so he's one to watch for, but he's actually our third defensive tackle behind Chris Jenkins and Mason Graham. I do think this will be a bit of a end up being a bit of a shootout. Uh, first half, I think will be a little slow score, low scoring because you do have two good defenses, but I think they will adjust. I am picking Michigan to win because at the end of the day, Michigan's getting healthy. They want to run the ball. And the last two years, Ohio State has not been able to stop the run. I think Blake Corm wants this after missing the game. Donovan Edwards definitely wants it. And J.J. McCarthy wants it. So I'm going Michigan, and I'm going to have them win by a touchdown. So coming into this, I really wanted to pick Ohio State, Uh, not simply because I wanted them to win, but more so because I wanted to be different than you. And I know, um, as Zach eloquently put it earlier in the week, um, Michigan are big, fat, dirty feeders. Um, I think that the narrative sets up for Ohio State to win this game. Um, and then Ohio State, to me, would probably lose in the first round of the playoff. 
Um, but I think Michigan's the better team. Um, and I think in a game where Michigan's going to have to run the ball a lot and Ohio State's going to have to throw the ball a lot, I think I trust Michigan to stay on the ground um, with Blake Corum um, against Ohio State. Um, but I think you're going to see a very, very motivated Ohio State team. Um, I'm going um, – I don't know. This one's tough for me because Ohio State, they went into Notre Dame. Um, they won at Notre Dame. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, the Penn State game. Um, but they weren't really challenged. Um, and then you look at Michigan, and was Michigan really challenged at all this year? Brett, do you think you think Michigan was ch- really challenged one time this year? So the only two times we were challenged were Penn State, Penn State. and at Maryland. But the Penn State one, we didn't throw in the second half. Uh, Chop Robinson, who I've hyped up, was just dominating the first half, and Michigan basically decided they're overcoming to the pass rush. We're going to run until they stop us, and they couldn't stop the run. Um, the game this weekend was a little stressful and really close, but I never felt like it. Never felt like to me that Michigan was in danger of losing despite the score. It more felt like kind of like the Dolphins game against the Raiders, where it felt like the better team just kept making mistakes. And this was, and it was really close to being a blowout. So I don't, I'd really only say we were challenged once. So this one's really tough for me. Um, and in games that are really tough, um, this is more of a basketball mentality, but I guess it rains here too. Um, I like picking the team with the best player. Um, I think Marvin Harrison is the best player on the field. Um, I'm going to pick Ohio State to win um, by seven. Uh, Michigan has a late drive. J.J. McCarthy's forced to throw the ball um, and is unable to do so. Well, Jordan, hopefully, uh, so for Saturday is my birthday, so hopefully you did not just ruin my birthday. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. So we'll see how it goes. It's okay. Uh, Michigan lost so many games uh, in my lifetime on my birthday to Ohio State. That'd just be normal. I'll just get drunk. No, no big deal. But you're going to um, get drunk anyways. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Jordan, I got to apologize. The next game I have listed, I just picked because I know it's one of the biggest rivalry games of the weekend, and that would be the Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn. That was before, like, I never realized that Auburn just got destroyed 31-10 at home to New Mexico State, the New Mexico State Aggies. Not Texas A&M Aggies, New Mexico State. The team that you pay to come get, to whoop up on, whoop to them. I don't really have yeah, much to say about this game. Um, not a good look. Yeah, it'll probably be close because it's the Iron Bowl, and I've seen some shitty Auburn teams keep games close. Uh, a couple years ago with Brian Harson, Auburn should have won, and they had no business being in that game. But, uh, yeah, I really have nothing to say about this. Um, Bama's going to destroy Auburn, and then I think the question becomes, is you freeze a one-and-done coach in college? He might be. Um, he might be that Auburn that loss last week was horrible. Um, it really was. I don't think they have a chance against Alabama. Um, I think the the conversation more um is what happens in the college football playoff if Bama goes and beats Georgia in the SEC championship next week. Um, Alabama, it's always dangerous when they're looking ahead to that game. Um, but I don't think this this Auburn team is good enough. Um, to beat them, I'm going to pick Alabama to win very, very comfortably. Yeah, me too. And to answer your question, I think it really depends. Um, so if Washington goes undefeated, Washington, Washington's in. The winner, yes, of the, 
the winner of Michigan Ohio State is playing Iowa in Big Ten championship game. So this is basically this week is basic. The winner of this weekend's game is in. Um, Alabama and Georgia are in. So whoever wins that game in the SEC title game is in. I, if it was me personally, and I think this is the wrong way of thinking about it, but because of who's probably going to be a Heisman finalist, I think the committee would pick a one-loss Oregon team over Bama or is, no wait, Washington and Oregon are going to play each other in the Pac-12 championship, aren't they? Yes, they are. Okay, so the so Oregon would be out. So yeah, if um, one lost Bama team gets in, I think. So let me let me let me give you this scenario. You ready? Yep. Make sure you follow. Okay. Oh, uh, for the sake of your birthday, Michigan beats Ohio State. Michigan's in. So we'll say spot number one in the playoff goes to the winner of Ohio State Michigan. Fair. Mm-hmm. Spot number two in the playoff goes to the winner of Alabama, Georgia. Yep. Spot number three in the playoff goes to the winner of Oregon, Washington. Yep. Now, what if Bama beats Georgia, Oregon beats Washington, Texas wins the Big 12? Florida State goes undefeated. Florida Even State. without Florida State will get in. Yep, they will put an undefeated Florida State team in if all that happens. Now, what if I, I mean th- there's a scenario where you have a bunch of teams. So you think if Georgia loses to Alabama, they're out? If Florida is on undefe- if Florida State is undefeated. I think Georgia, I think it's too tough to have a one loss, even as good as Georgia's been, a one loss Georgia in over an undefeated Florida State. Now, if Florida State were to lose and Washington were to lose, I think Bama and Georgia both get in. Fair. Especially if the Bama-Georgia game is a good game. Yes. That's going to be the key. I mean, are these games competitive games? Um, Do they look like they can go either way? Um, could you see uh, if they play again, the result being a little different? I think if you can answer yes uh, to any of that, there's a chance that they all make the play or they both make the playoff. Yep. No, but I agree. And I think the uh, committee is getting what they want, that it's actually going to be a bit difficult this year, depending on how the scenarios play out. So it'll be definitely interesting, but I think this is a year unless a lot of teams lose that aren't that are going to be favorites lose. I think it's going to be the, you're not going to see uh, two SEC t- teams in the final four. Um, but we're going to go to the ACC now as we got the battle of the Tar Heel State is the North Carolina Tar Heels take on North Carolina State Wolfpack. Uh, I was expecting, um, I was expecting to uh, go North Carolina to beat Clemson this weekend, and they they let me down. Kind of made me look foolish there. Uh, Drake May did had a bit of a down game, but this is a bit of a this is a chance to come back and end his college career on a high note. 
So I will take North Carolina. NC State surprisingly is third in the ACC right now, have won four straight games. I just don't think they're as talented as the Tar Heels, so I'm going with the Tar Heels over the Wolfpack. Yeah, last week I picked Clemson um, simply because um, when you looked at the line, Clemson minus seven and a half, like I said, it was weird. It was very weird to me um, to see a line that big between, I I thought North Carolina um, should have been favored. Um, However, um, going into this week, like you said, Drake May is the best quarterback on the field. Um, They're the better team, Uh, although neither of these teams can make uh, the college football playoff. Um, I think North Carolina could probably still get a pretty good bowl game um, for winning this game. I think they do. Um, I think North Carolina wins by two scores. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be uh, very close. But again, talking about coaches, Dave Doran's been very good at NC State and Northern Illinois for a long time. Would not be shocked to see him get looks from other teams. Um, now on to our wild card. I'm going to go with a rivalry that people think about for basketball, not as much for football. And we're going to the Bluegrass State is Kentucky travels to Louisville. Looks like FBI FBI considers Louisville a 9.4 point favorite, but I think the line is seven points. Uh, I've talked about how good of a coach Jeff Brom is. Come from behind victory over the Hurricanes, and that victory is definitely for the for our Kane fans, listen, that's for you guys making us always pick get hurricane games that when they suck. So just remember that. Uh, Kentucky started out good, but it feels like they've definitely fallen back to earth. Great scheme. They just don't have the talent. And Louisville's playing for a chance to play for the ACC title. So I'm picking Louisville at home, and I don't think this is going to be close. I think they win by three touchdowns. So for my wild card pick, and, and I think Brett, um, part of the disconnect um, and the reason you keep um, forgetting to put Miami games um, and such on is because you're not down here. So it's not you're not accustomed to down here's college football at least. Um, so I'm gonna for the sake of the people um, that live in South Florida um, and that live in Florida in general, um, I'm gonna pick the Florida State Florida game. Um, this could possibly be um, Billy Napier's last regular season game uh, coaching the University of Florida. I think he could be out um, if they don't win this game. Um, and I would look for if he gets let go for him to get um, one of those mid-tier jobs. I just think it it's so tough for him to have made the jump um, to the SEC. Um, that talent difference is so great. I mean, he's a little in over his head. Um, Florida State had a horrible uh, injury to Jordan Travis last week. Uh, so a lot of people are looking at this as a potential trap game for Florida State. Um, I don't think it is. I think Florida State rolls. I think the, the Louisville game next week is going to be so super, super interesting um, because Louisville really, uh, with one loss, I don't, it'll be a bad loss, um, but they'll probably get a New Year's Bowl or they will get a New Year's Bowl um, for winning the conference. Um, and they'll also get a New Year, New Year's Bowl uh, if Florida State makes a playoff. So they're in a great spot. Uh, but I think they want to come in here and play spoiler um, against Florida State. But Florida State's got to get there um, in one piece. Um, I think Florida rolls or Florida State rolls um, and beats the Gators by two scores. Um, I will look for the Seminoles' new quarterback to come in 
Um, get comfortable. He has great weapons around him. Um, I think he'll win. Um, and Florida State rolls on and puts themselves essentially in a quarterfinal game next week. Yeah, yeah and good call on Napier. I, I like what Billy Napier was doing with Louisiana. Um, always loved them because their name was the Raging Cajuns. Never watched them. I just loved that they were called the Raging Cajuns. Uh, but going from a school that had the renamed from Louisiana Lafayette to the University of Louisiana, uh, plays in a Sun Belt to the SEC, is an insane jump. And it's like you said, that may have been too much, especially to a school that I believe was on sanctions uh, coming out of the Dan Mullen years. It was an undermanned team, but I don't think uh, Napier's done anything to show that he can be the guy who can get them out of that. Do you think so? No, I don't. I don't. I, I think that um, he could do it at some point. Um, I think he needs kind of a job in between Louisiana and this um, to get his feet wet. Um, I could see him doing very well at a MAC school, at an at a American Conference school, um, and then work his way maybe into the Big Twelve um, or one of those PAC teams um, and go from there. Um, and then maybe down the line, um, look at him. Uh, stay in the state of Louisiana. You know what would be interesting now that I'm talking it out? Um, if Willie Fritz ends up taking a different job, um, Billy Napier going to Tulane, going back into the state of Louisiana, I think a job like that level would be a very, very good for Billy Napier. Yeah, And Willie Fritz is an interesting name too. I've heard him him linked to the uh, Mississippi State job. Uh, the question with him is age, because I think he's in his 60s, so it might be he might not have the age to go to the SEC. But it's going to be interesting. Like Billy Napier kind of reminds me of Chad Morris when he went from uh, South SMU to Arkansas, where it was such a different culture shift, needed to change everything. He just didn't have the personnel for it. Or um, who is the Temple coach that went to Georgia Tech that got fired uh, a couple just last year? Uh, going Jeff from, Collins. Jeff Collins. Yep, he went from he's going. He went into a school that was running a triple option. He wanted to run a spread, and he just didn't have the guys. And it's just one of those things where. It's such a disaster. You you can't say you need time. Um, no, and you have to be selective as a head coach and go to a place that you think you don't want to rebuild a school and the last decision they make before the rebuild is complete is letting you go to bring in a winning guy. Right. And what Florida is, they consider, they consider themselves on the level of Georgia and Bama. And when they're seeing, when they're, seeing they're closer to Kentucky than they are to those two, it's gonna, it's gonna be ugly for him. And hiring a head coach is not an exact science, but Florida's gotten it wrong three times in a, uh, four times in a row, really. Muschamp, uh, McElhaney, Mullen, and now Napier. Do you think, uh, you think they might call Urban Meyer back? Desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, I think the stuff that came out during the Jaguars run for Urban might make him untouchable. But if there's a school think, that looks past it, I think it's the Gators. I think if there's a school that looks past it, it's another SEC school that just paid a seventy-plus million-dollar buyout on Jimbo Fisher because uh, yeah. the Aggies are also desperate to become relevant nationally, and they haven't really been relevant since Johnny Football. Yeah, I can see the Gators. Um, another name for them, although um, it's another name from a low conference. Um, is going to FAU and getting Tom Herman. 
I could see that. I think Herman kind of got a raw deal in Texas. I think he needed to mature a lot because from what I remember, he was kind of an asshole at Texas. Like, and not that not I'm cocky, I'm good. It's just the he, it's like the Lane Kiffin at, L, at USC in Oakland. Cocky where you haven't deserved it. So hopefully he uh, deflated his head a little bit because I thought he was a good coach. Um, and I think, I think he could do some stuff at Florida as well. He runs that urban offense too. Um, now, speaking of college as well, before we go in, I don't know about you, Jordan, but I think the Heisman Trophy, we haven't talked about it in a while, but I think it's definitely become a three-player race. We've been hyping Michael Penix Jr. up for a while. Uh, Bo Nix is someone we haven't really talked about a lot. I gave his stats earlier. Just been insane to the point where I think it's hard not to have him as a first-round pick. Um, but the third guy, and someone that if you look strictly at numbers, should probably be the runaway Heisman Trophy winner, and that is someone you and I have talked about in Jaden Daniels of LSU. Much like um, Bo Nix, over the weekend, he had he had more touchdowns than incompletions, six touchdowns, five incompletions uh, passing, but he had another two rushing touchdowns. He has 36 touchdowns, four interceptions on a year. Um, I'm trying to find his rushing uh, numbers. So he has 1,000 rushing yards, and 10 touchdowns. So that's just insane. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but he has, last I saw, he had more than 40 plays of 30-plus yards uh, to the second-place person who was Caleb Williams. So Jaden Daniels, Daniels had like 75 plays of 30-plus yards, and the next highest guy, which was Caleb Williams, had like 40-something. Yeah. He's just having a ridiculous year. Uh, the thing holding him back is I believe LSU is a three-loss team. But my pick is still Penix. He is having a good year, 30 touchdowns, seven, seven interceptions. He's not really running. Uh, he has three rushing touchdowns in a year, but he's not a running quarterback. Um, if Washington loses, I think that would cost him. Bo Nix having a great year, like we said, 35 touchdowns, two interceptions just insane and like i said i still can't believe this is the guy from auburn also has five rushing touchdowns but really jordan aside from his team being a three loss team why wouldn't you give this award to Jaden daniels if it's for the best college football player well those who have been listening to our show know that i would put Jaden daniels there i've i've said he was a first round pick on our midseason review or maybe even it was before that um i we said that did. if he was on, i said if he was on a better team, um, that he would be the Heisman front runner, and that was long before um, he was the Heisman front runner. Um, he is the Heisman front runner in Vegas right now, um, and I think that if if Penix and Washington lose to Oregon, um, I think it takes Penix out of the race. I think Penix becomes Penix first. Daniels. Yeah, I think the one thing that Penix has. Um, kind of over everybody right now is that he hasn't lost and his team's going to probably make the playoff um, most likely. So I, I think that if he loses, um, Jaden Daniels could relatively become a lock leading up to talking about who's actually going to win it. Um, but I think that right now um, it would be hard for me to see Bo Nix win. I think no matter how you cut it, he's going to finish third. Um, but it's a, it's a matter of which of Jaden Daniels or Michael Penix you prefer. Yeah, it's fair. And I know we talked about it and you said we both were talking and saying that Jaden Daniels should be 
in a conversation for a first-round pick. I'm going to be interested to see how the combine and interviews go for him. And I'm also planning to have an article out this week at some point on uh, listpodcast.com talking a little bit more about Daniels and spotlighting him a bit more because what people like to say in some stupid uh, Twitter accounts say Caleb Williams is quote-unquote the greatest college quarterback of all time and Daniels is having an insane year. This might... Do you think this is up there in terms of stats with Joe Burrow for best college quarterback in uh, seasons of all time? Yeah, but again, being a college quarterback, um, a lot of it is being in the right spot where your team wins because I think a lot of people are going to forget about this Jaden Daniels season um, just simply because of LSU success. Now, if he goes on to be a decent NFL quarterback, I think people will talk more about, oh, remember that amazing year he had. Um, but right now, I think people are going to overlook it. Um, but we shouldn't um, because we should always embrace when a guy like this has this kind of year um, because he is ridiculously special. Yep. No, but now we're going on to the NFL picks for the week before we get to the Dolphins game. Very interesting week because uh, we have three games on Thursday. Then we have our game on Black Friday. So not as many games on the Sunday. Sunday slate. I don't even think that, there's not a Monday night football game. I don't think. I think both games are Sunday night. Um, um, looking right now. There actually yeah. is. Bear, Bears Vikings um, is Monday night. Okay. I thought I saw that there was two Sunday night games. Uh, but anyway, we are going to start with the 49ers and Seahawks. Uh, not long ago, this looked like it would be a great game. But uh, Jordan, you know how the Seahawks were playing over their head last year? Yep. Things have kind of evened out. Um, I wouldn't say Geno Smith is Jets Geno bad, but I think the Seahawks are regretting that contract right now. He has not looked that great. Uh, Brock Purdy coming off of a three-touchdown, 333-yard performance, I believe. Uh, Of course, Niners are getting healthy. I do like what the Seahawks are building, but like I just mentioned, I think Geno regressing is going to hurt them. I don't know if they're going to have Kenneth Walker or not. I think he, I believe he came out of the game hurt yesterday. So he, he, his status up in the air. I think the 49ers are a team on a mission. They've just looked even better since getting Chase Young on defense. I think the Niners win. I don't think it's close. And I think the Niners walk away with this division. Yeah, I think the Niners win. Um, it is night. It is Seattle. Um, that place is going to be rocking. Um, the injury to, to Kenneth Walker, depending on what it is, um, on a short week, he might have to miss. So um, you never like to see that, especially with a star player going into a game like this. Um, but like you said, um, San Fran's getting healthy at the right time. Um, and it'll show on Thursday. Um, they'll be the better team on the field. I could see them easily covering that six and a half spread. I think San Fran wins by uh, 15. Okay. Now on to a game that I don't think anybody thought would have Playoff implications with how things have been going. The Cleveland Browns versus the Denver Broncos. Uh, my roommate, for some reason, bet the over on the Brown Steelers game uh, on Saturday for yesterday for the uh, Sunday game, and the uh, the total was thirty. Um, <laughs> I told him he had to go with the under, uh, with DTR starting for the Browns. Deshaun Watson, of course, out for the year. Uh, Cleveland's defense is ridiculous. There's almost no weaknesses. Denver, we keep talking. You and I said it was time to panic when we did the patience or panic segment weeks ago. 
I'm surprised to see that they've gotten it going. I don't think things are as great as some in the media think. Russ is playing really well, but aside from this weekend, I have not been impressed with their offense. It feels like the story has more been that the defense, the defense that gave up 70 points to us, has turned it around. Vance Joseph has gone from, for sure, being fired as defensive coordinator to really their assistant of the year with what he's done. But I am going to pick Denver. If it comes down to a defensive performance, it's hard to outperform the Browns defense. But the rule of thumb is when you when it's this close, you want to go with the better quarterback. And Russ is just playing at a better level than what the Browns have. So I am cautiously going with the Broncos. So I said earlier in the week, uh, me and Zach talked about the Browns um, a little bit, and I said I really like what they're doing. Um, Not so much offensively, but from an identity standpoint. Um, As for the Broncos, they're a team that obviously, um, during our mid-year segment, I said they were a team that I could see making a push. Um, And I think that continues. Um, I I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, I think they match up well with a team like the Vikings, that they played this past week. I don't think they match up well with the Browns. I don't think they match up well with a team that's going to punch them in the mouth the entire game. Um, I think the Browns are going to win another low-scoring game. Uh, The total of this game is 35.5. Tell your roommate to not bet the over on this one because it's probably not going to hit. I'm going to take the Browns to win a game that looks eerily, eerily similar to the way they beat the Steelers. Who would have thought with all the injuries the Browns had, they'd be they could potentially be eight and three. Yeah, Stefanski's doing a great job. He is, and it always feels like every year he's a guy who's immediately going to be put on the hot seat, but credit to him. Uh getting uh Jim Schwartz in as defensive coordinator, I think a lot was skeptical because of the wide nine, but he's got the pieces for it. I know we did not have the greatest experience with the wide nine with Matt Burke, but Schwartz is the master of it. And you had Miles Garrett as the the defensive player of the year from it. Yeah, it's true. So on to another rivalry game. This will be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Raiders. I have no problem saying this, Jordan. I did underrate the Raiders quite a bit. Um, I just looked at a talent standpoint. I didn't really give much credence to them winning their previous two games. But I've learned not to underestimate a team that's playing hard for their coach. They remind me a lot of the uh, Dolphins when Dan Campbell was our interim coach with Antonio Pierce. He's got them playing a bit over their head. Max Crosby, again, such a great player. If it wasn't for the fact that TJ Watt, Michael Parsons, and Miles Garrett are just having insane years, he would be the runaway defensive player of the year. That's just all you need to know about how good everybody else has been. But such a great player. Uh, The linebacker they have, Spillane, I remember him as a backup with the Steelers. He's rated as the highest uh, linebacker in coverage by PFF. And he did impress me. He almost got an interception of Tua this weekend. So I did not expect that. And part of me really wants to pick the Raiders to win because they are playing hard. Pierce is giving them that edge. But Aiden O'Connell is just it is not it. I approve of what the Raiders are doing. You take a guy in the mid-round, you want to see if he has anything. If he does, great. 
If not, he either is your tank commander this year or maybe tank commander next year. Chiefs haven't been the most impressive team this year offensively. Uh, I believe listening to you and Zach earlier this week, you guys said that they were looking to find their identity. And I agree with that. They do not they do not seem sure of themselves. They are so reliant on Kelsey that if he is banged up like he has been, their offense does start to struggle. But I can't take a team quarterbacked by Aiden O'Connell over Patrick Mahomes, so I'm taking the Chiefs. But I think this is going to be much like the game was for us against the Raiders. Very frustratingly close for the Chiefs with them just winning because they're just a more talented team. It's dangerous when you're a team like the Chiefs to play a team like the Raiders, um, who, like we do with the Jets, you have to play twice um, in the span of a couple weeks. Um, and like you said, it comes down to Aiden O'Connell's of the world um, aren't supposed to beat Patrick Mahomes of the world. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes um, and the Chiefs are going to let the Raiders hang around a little bit. And when you let a team hang around a little bit, you leave yourself open for a possible upset. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to cover that nine-point spread. Um, however, I do think they win the game in Vegas. Yeah. Now on to the first Black Friday game, the Miami Dolphins versus the hated New York Jets. Uh, you men. Brett, oh, we have one more. We have one more. Sorry, I was getting excited. We are going to the Baltimore Ravens versus the LA Chargers. Uh, as we record, Brandon Staley has a job still. Why? Um, it's going to give away when we record if uh, he gets fired before this airs. <laughs> Maybe, but I have a feeling. I don't. I have a feeling they're just riding it with him. You think they let him go into the Sunday night game, um, and then if he does, so if they do lose this game. They play the Patriots, then the Broncos, then the Raiders the next three weeks. I could see them letting him go uh, this week if they lose in order to give Kellen Moore kind of a little bit of a lighter opponent going into next week. Give him an idea. I don't know if they'd even give him more. I think they might just have him focus on being coordinator. But Who would they give it to, though? You know? Let's let's Uh, let's look. Let me pull up there. I, you got to think that they brought Kellen Moore in um, to kind of be that potential guy um, in, in the case that um, Staley doesn't make it. I mean, you got to think he's going to be the one they, they look to interview. Yeah, maybe they give it to former Dolphin great Pat White, who's an offensive assistant. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, look at Pat. I'm looking. Oh, he looks great. Awesome. Good for Pat. Yeah. Well, no, I think you're right then. Looking at this coaching staff. Um, the only other person I think you might give it to is Jay Rogers, who's a longtime defensive line coach. He's their run game coordinator. He's had success at quite a few stops. But no, you, you're probably right. It would probably be, end up being more. Um, but it'll be interesting because if they don't give it to Kellen Moore, that could be a sign that they don't think he's ready to be the head coach. It is possible. Um, I just don't think Staley's the guy. Uh, I have said many times, I think people overrate the talent of the Chargers. Not that they're not a talented team, 
but people keep saying that they should be contending with a Super Bowl with Justin Herbert. We've made our our feelings known on Herbert. Now, yes, they did have some bad drops yesterday, uh, the other day, with um, Quentin Johnson, who a lot a lot of people thought would be a great rookie, uh, wide receiver out of TCU. The drop was bad, and I see people like Mina Kimes saying it should have been Jordan Addison, which you can argue it should have been Jordan Addison drafted there, but it's not the QB pro, the wide receiver profile that. Uh, Justin Herbert likes to throw to the bigger concern, of course, is Joey Bosa got it carted off the field, and that looks like it's going to be uh, season-ending. Um, I haven't seen in the last couple of days if they've announced that or not yet, but I'm pr- it, it looked pretty bad on TV. Ravens, yes, they lost Mark Andrews, though. I did see John Harbaugh said there is an outside chance that Mark Andrews could return. This season, which would be amazing, considering he had ligament damage and a broken fibula, but no way he returns this year. Yep, they said outside chance, but no way. Yeah, I don't know, but I agree. But that's just what Harbaugh said, and Baltimore is just playing better than the Chargers. The Chargers have a ridiculously poor record in one-score games. At some, some people say it's better to be lucky and good, but when you're that bad, it's no longer luck. That's who you are. The Chargers cannot win close games. Justin Herbert is 29 and 30 overall. The Chargers, as a franchise, are 482 and 483 as an over in their history. The charge. This is what the Chargers are. They are an average to below average team. And the Ravens are always one of the best run teams. They always hit when they almost always hit when they make draft picks, when they make free agent signings. So I think the Ravens run away with this and beat the Chargers. Yeah, I think these are two different classes of football teams. I think if the Chargers were going to make a push, um, it was going to start with that Detroit game. And they were oh so close to doing so. Um, I, I don't think they have a chance to win this Ravens game. Um, I think that this will be a, a boring Sunday night game. Um, I think that Herbert will keep him around early, um, but I think the Ravens find a way to win um, a, pretty convincingly. I think there are going to be a lot of Raven fans in, ball, in uh, Los Angeles for Thanksgiving weekend um, for a Sunday night game, uh, and I think the Ravens win by two scores. Yeah, it doesn't matter who the away team is for the Chargers. They're always going to be the away team. They should have never left San Diego, but... Money talks. Now they're not even wanted in the stadium that they're in. But right. We'll, we'll see how uh, see what happens with Staley. See what ha- I'm I'm still waiting to see when Span- Spanos sells the team and they try and move back to San Diego like they should because Kroenke and the Rams want them out of there. But, Very interesting. I, I can see them moving back to San Diego, building a little bit of an identity for themselves. I'll just say this. While SoFi was getting built, they were playing in a soccer stadium and they couldn't sell out a soccer stadium, which helped 12,000 An NFL team can't sell out a soccer stadium. That's nuts. Yeah, there's no fan base in L.A. for the Chargers. But we will see what happens. And I know I jumped the gun earlier, but now on to the Black Friday game. Miami Dolphins versus New York Jets. Jordan, as you and Zach mentioned previously, Zach Wilson is finally benched. But he's not even just benched. He got down to the third string 
The Dolphins are dealing with Tim Boyle. If this was a Jets podcast, thankfully it's not. Rob Sala would be on the list for waiting so long to do the inevitable. I know Zach Williams, Zach, Zach Wilson is awful, so awful I can't even say his name right. Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon aren't much better. What took them so long to make this move? Well, what I don't understand is I know you had Rodgers and you thought that Rodgers um, was going to play this year, and that's great. But it's the NFL. Crazy things happen. I don't understand Joe Douglas did this franchise a disservice by even bringing Zach Wilson back as a backup. Um, there's no reason that he should have been a backup for the Jets this season. Um, I love it as a Dolphins fan. I think um, I love seeing any dumb decision the Jets make, but it's it's a move that there's no excuse for. Um, I, I think that uh, the, the Jets really, they're starting Tim Boyle. Um, they're going to struggle to move the ball. I alluded to his record. Um, I alluded to his statistics. Um, he has, I believe, for his career, three touchdowns and nine interceptions. Um, I think it's going to be a long day at the office for him. Uh, and and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on if the Jets have any chance to even keep this game close uh, like the Raiders were able to do with us. So I'm going to hit a couple things. You talked about dumb decisions. I thought it was dumb for them to hire Nathaniel Hackett as offensive coordinator because they could get Aaron Rodgers. I thought it was dumb of them to then go out and sign Aaron's bros of Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard, who both have been awful. But the moment, this is going to sound strange. People who have listened before know before Rodgers got hurt, I picked the Jets to finish last in the division. The only reason they're not is because the Patriots are just that much worse. But funny enough, the moment I knew the Jets were in trouble, it's weird. It goes back to the draft. Everybody knew they wanted Broderick Jones. Everybody knew they needed an offensive tackle, including the Steelers who traded up to get him. Now, rather than take the next available offensive lineman or trade down and get picks, um, what did the Jets do? They reach on Will McDonald. Will McDonald, right? Yeah. Yep, who doesn't really play for them, and they didn't need him. Now, I'm looking at the draft right now. Uh, so they, they, took that, they took Will McDonald. Admittedly, there weren't many. Offensive lineman afterwards, they could have potentially reached on Anton Harrison, could have reached on someone like Matthew Bergeron. But the point is, is they, rather than trying to get more picks or get a need, they just went right to the defense, a position where they were already deep. It tells you that Robert Sala is in over his head as a coach. He only cares about the defense. And that's the moment I knew they weren't serious this year. Now, do I think they can keep it close? Before yesterday, they had, hadn't had let a, a wide receiver get a touchdown on them until uh, since week one. And then Khalil Shakir gets one. And that looked like it broke their defense a little bit. The defense is, is frustrating. You can tell. I think the Boyle move happened because I think Salah lost the team. I actually would be somewhat surprised if Salah's back next year. Now, that being said, this is a division rivalry. Um, I expect it to be close for a little bit because that defense is just that good. But I am going to read you real quick, Jordan, the top 10 rated players per PFF 
on the Jets' offense. Now, on, there's going to be more. on the Jets' offense, right? Yes. So, that is clear. Now, this is all together. It's not a minimum of snaps. So, just to keep that in mind. The number one rated player on the Jets' offense this year, admittedly it's only two snaps, is Brandon Eccles. Do you know what Eccles is, Jordan? Um, is he a wide receiver? He is a cornerback. That's not an offensive player. Oh, it gets better. Number two would be Garrett Wilson. Understandable. Wilson reigning offensive rookie of the year, though he's starting to get frustrated. Number three is Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive lineman. He's out for the year. Number four, Brees Hall. Again, another really good player, but he's starting to get frustrated. Number five, Former Dolphin, Thomas Morstead. Morstead's not an offensive player. He's not even a defensive player. He's not. Number six, CJ Uzama, who is a tight end, so blocking. Number seven, Ashton Davis. He is a safety, a special teams ace. Number eight, Ty Conklin. Tight end, not bad. Now, all these players are tied for ninth. Linebacker. Jamie and Sherwood, linebacker, Marcelino, McCar- Marcelino McCrary-Ball, linebacker, Chaz Surratt, Li- cornerback, Justin Hardy, linebacker, Sam McGuavin, long snapper, Thomas Hennessy, safety, Adrian Amos. The nu- then you get down to number 16, guard, Chris Gla- Glazer. They have more non-offensive players in their top 10 than they have offensive players. You then go to the next page, and then you have Makai Becton, who's been bad. Tim Boyle, who I didn't even know. He did get hurt. Tim Boyle, Dalvin Cook, Denner, Jake Hansen. Most of these people who are on this list don't even play that much. This, for as good as this defense is, and it is good, Quinnen Williams playing at an elite level, C.J. Mosley, playing at elite level. Quincy Wilson, playing at elite level. DJ Reed, elite. Sauce Gardner, elite. Jermaine Johnson, elite. All those players are all rated 80 or above by PFF, so they are elite. Even Will McDonald, who I just bashed, is playing at a 76.9 overall. The Jets have, let me see here, just to go back to the offense, so as good as their defense is playing, they have one, two, three, four. Five players rated 70 or more overall. Three of them are offensive players on the offensive ranking. One of those players is out for the year. This is an historically inept offense. I believe they. I saw a stat that they haven't scored a touchdown in like six games offensively. I could be wrong. It's been bad. If I think it could be close because I think what hurts. The one thing we need to work on, I think you guys mentioned it earlier this week. The Dolphins need, do have a turnover issue. Now, admittedly, some of the fumbles against the Raiders were just good plays by the Raiders. Interception was just another miscommunication. That'll happen. I expect turnovers by us with the Jets. But with how our defense is playing and how bad that offense is, I don't care if it's Tim Boyle. I don't care if it's Mr. S, who started 0-6 in picks and has been doing better, although he has a losing record this week again, but we won't talk about that. I don't care who's at quarterback. This is not going to be close at the end of the game. I'm picking a Dolphins win. I am picking 34 to 3. I think that 
as a Dolphins fan, there's nothing. Obviously, number one, I want the Dolphins to be successful. I think the next thing on the list that I want is the Jets to be bad. I think that's number two. Um, And I think a number of Dolphin fans would agree with me on that. Coming into this season, and and I picked the Jets to be uh, actually third in the division, but I did say I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. Um, I I thought the Jets were were starting to come in the right direction. I like Robert Sala. I love a ton of the pieces they have defensively. I like Garrett Wilson. I love Brees Hall. Um, I was wrong on Mekhi Becton. I actually thought, um, that he was going to be better, and maybe in a different situation he would have. Um, but the Jets have a number of pieces, especially defensively, um, that worried me. But for some reason, they they just can't put them all together. And part of that's a lack of quarterback. Um, part of that's a lack of just being the Jets. Um, but I, I think that they're in a very tough position against us. Um, and it's less about our offense, because they can play against teams that have good offenses. Um, I think it's more about how well our defense is playing. Um, I'm going to go uh, with a Dolphins 24-6 to victory. 24-6. to Yeah, it'll be, cl- be like that. And just to mention the defense, Jalen Ramsey, you know what the uh, rating of people going against him, uh, throwing against him is? Very, very low. Zeros. The Dolphins... Zero? Yep, 0.0 targeting Jalen Ramsey. Wow. Since return or last week? or what's Since returning. The... Since returning. Wow. And I did see this today. The Dolphins are the only team in the NFL to have four players with four or more sacks on a year. Wow. So... Yeah, we're playing at a very high level. We're, we're one of the best teams in the league. And we're going to continue to be. Yep. You have Jalen Phillips at five and a half sacks now in seven games. Uh, Chubbs is at six. So it's it's going to be ugly against those offensive tackles. I think the defense, like I said, for for uh, the Jets are going to keep it close for a little bit. But I think we just have too much talent offensively. I think our defense is going to smother them. And it's going to get ugly. And we're going to be one game closer to locking up the division. Yeah, I agree. I I think that um, getting one game closer to locking up the division is the goal. Um, Then you get the the commanders who are seemingly falling apart. Um, And then you get the Titans, which are a winnable game. Um, The the key is getting to that span of four home games um, out of the last five being nine and three. If you can do that, I mean, you you couldn't ask for a better situation than that before the season. No. Well, you could, but realistically, that's what you would have, that would have been hoped is the best scenario if we're being realistic. Exactly. Now it's time to put someone on the list. Zach, buddy, I know you were afraid I was going to put you on the list in retaliation. I'm not going to do that. I'm actually surprised that this wasn't mentioned earlier. But we are going, Jordan, we have a history of putting people who run social media on the list. We're actually going oh, into boy. the TV world, and I oh, am putting, yeah, I am putting the CBS production crew on the list because post game they interviewed Tua. Now, Tua went 
28 for 39, 326 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Do you know what was missing from the from that uh, graphic? What was missing? The two touchdowns. No. So the TV put Tua, CBS put Tua's stats as 28 for 39, 326 yards, and an interception. I've heard I've heard people say, and I didn't see this, but I've heard people even say underneath they put one loss fumble too. But I, I think they were just messing around. If that's the case, that's a little much. Now, I'm not going to say that this was attempt an attempt to discredit Tua or make it look bad. But as someone who went to school for communication, has a degree in broadcast journalism, that to me is just being shitty at your job and not looking at what you're posting. So in an environment where we want to be professional, we want to make everybody look good, and we also want to show that Tua deserves to be an MVP candidate, this is unacceptable, especially when Tua is, I believe, leading the NFL in touchdown passes. He has the longest active touchdown streak of 19 straight games and his stats in the red zone as I pull them up in the last two seasons is 60 of 94 64% completions 363 yards 27 touchdowns one interception 106.52 passer rating so basically everything about Tua is elite and we're not giving him credit because we weren't paying attention when we did that job. So one of these days I will go through, find someone who TVO'd the game or DVR'd it, go back and watch the credits to see who did this. But right now you're just a nameless CBS graphic professional. You just made the list. Nameless person. Nameless yeah. person, Brett. That's who you came up with. I thought at first when you said that we liked going to the Twitter world, I thought you were going to put somebody from our twitter on the list no no everybody's been doing a good job with that aside from a spelling error or two which is usually me yeah but we forgive you because we love you glad to hear that but we are on the way to a great weekend it is thanksgiving weekend one of my favorite holidays gonna be a busy couple days for me a lot of running around going to king of prussia to see the family then back to harrisburg got games all time jordan how are you spending your holiday yeah, I'm actually going out to California, going to be out on the West Coast for um, four or five days and watch some football early time. I have to do some conversions and figure out what time I'll be watching football this week and make sure I eat a lot of food. Absolutely. And on that, we are going to end this episode and get ready for the holidays, Jordan. Before we go, anything you want to throw out there for our audience? Yeah, I just hope everybody enjoys the holiday with their family. Um, take some time to disconnect. We all we live in a crazy world um, with a lot of crazy shit going on. So um, I hope that everybody takes time to, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends, um, whether it's whether you are the type of person like I am a lot of times who even prefers to just be by yourself for a little while and shut everybody else out um, and, and spend some time in the quiet. Um, I, I hope you get to do that. Um, and I hope you get to do whatever it is that makes you happy this week. So um, for me, I just I just wish a happy holidays to everybody. 
Absolutely. Now, I do want to say this to Zach. Anybody who takes Bulbasaur as their starting Pokemon to get Venusaur, you can't trust them because everybody knows Venusaur is the worst Pokemon, uh, starting Pokemon in Gen 1. Oh, and on that, shots fired. What was the episode? No! I didn't know shots, that was coming. Shots fired. For Jordan and for Zach, my name's Brett. We are The List, and we are watching Zach hit that music. <laughs>